0: What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the New West. You know.
1: Morons. <laughs> okay, ramblers, let's get ramblers. <laughs> now where it is now
2: everybody wants a piece of the market <laughs> oh my god that is funny i don't remember
3: asking you a thing A funny how i mean funny like i'm a clown i amuse you
4: with all due respect what the f- are you talking
3: about oh i'm sorry did i break your concentration what the f- is so funny about me tell me Tell me what
4: you You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that.
3: English, motherfucker. do you speak it? Are you
2: listening to me? How's my together that's my together? Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant.
5: So that's... That's it, then. No one else really knows anything. Oh Lord what's next? Saxon Jacks, Sam Time out. We have Matt Byrne back on the board after a week off. That's right. We have Greg Pappas back in his normal spot, away from the board, <laughs> yep. which he's probably happy to be.
4: Better for you guys. Yeah. And we have Thanks, special,
5: special guest Katie Rather, who we've been talking about all week, and she's here. And guess what? She was early. <laughs> 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 the, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, she, if she's the niece of uh, one of my best friends, she'll be early. She'll be all dressed up, which she is, even though it doesn't have to be for this, this thing. So, good morning, Katie. Welcome.
6: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun to well, be
5: Well, uh, did you play a thing for the Ramblers?
3: Is that because Katie's a Loyola Rambler? Is that what you did, Matt? <laughs> Is that right? The, the Ramblers. I didn't pay nothing for the Ramblers.
5: Yeah, well, see, that's what you're, one of your lead-ins was the Ramblers. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll,
3: I'll dig I'll dig into that one. Yeah. You know, so sister you, Jean. Yeah, yeah. Sister <laughs> Jean, of course. <laughs> she's still with us, right?
6: Yeah, she is. I'll be walking around campus, and I'll just see her in her office taking calls as if she's, like, so young. When she's 103.
5: Yeah. Going strong. Well, Ted Hesburgh did the same thing in Notre Dame until he was Yeah. 101 or whatever the hell he was. The guy used to... Well, back before... Uh, yeah, a that commercial it, where they talk about people actually used to write letters? Well, Hesburgh used to answer like 200 letters a day. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, before they were, you know, he wouldn't call people, he'd actually answer the letter and do stuff. And as he was a
4: cultural ambassador to well, the
5: public. Wow. He, he Good had, outreach. He had more, uh, well, there's a few people that had more, but he had like as many honorary doctorates as like anybody. Oh, wow. It was crazy stuff, but yeah. uh, he was on Nixon's original... Uh, uh, group to to have uh, more diversity in the country. Back, you know, people think it's a new idea. What well, isn't really? I mean, there were, there were people tried to do that like a real long time ago and made some progress. But anyway, that's another subject. So, what about uh, oil? What about McDonald's? For those that haven't heard, the big news this morning is OPEC has decided to cut some more. Uh, the OPEC now including Russia, evidently, decided to cut some more oil, which is sort of a surprise. So, we have crude oil up four thirty nine to eighty oh six. uh it's West Texas. Um so they had to do something at to, to 80 it's been kind of leaking leaking oil you know down uh down below was below 70 last week so if you got long oil at 68 Greg are you long oil 68
4: Uh Greg is not long oil unfortunately Dollar yes Dollar has done well um also in commodity news uh Cargill and Viterra are pulling out of Russia not really a surprise but
5: um and when you say pull what
4: what exactly do they used to do in Russia? That, that means that they'll, their production facilities are going to be uh, their staff will be reassigned to other places, probably in Europe, and they're just going to ditch it. So if you take however many hundreds of workers and you just say, here you go, and they're, what's going to happen in Russia probably is those government workers will take over the plant and try to run it, and hopefully they...
5: Now, these are, these are crush facilities? What, what are they? Do? Uh,
4: mostly, yeah, refining and processing. So uh, both Cargill and Viterra are... Large large commodity companies and when they decide no more, they're just gonna up and leave. So well, when you go
5: I don't know if you guys uh can't, you probably come that way. You see that you go down like Archer Avenue into that uh, the town of Summit. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. With that huge plant to the one side. That's a, that's a uh, oil or a corn processing facility for I don't think it's cargo. It might be. Oh, it's a big, big huge place, right on the right on the river. What yeah. exactly do they do there? I mean what do, what do you do in a Corn processing. You, you process into corn oil. you take corn and make corn oil out of it? Or what do you do? Cornmeal? I mean, there's, there's sort yeah, of and d- corn, right? Yeah, and,
4: and DDGs is the byproduct of processing corn. But it's, it's uh, an energy product now, so that's, that makes things even more interesting for um, processing. So when corn becomes not only food but uh, energy... You know, that's that changes the incentives of production.
5: And about, I bet they're not doing a lot of ethanol in Russia. They got nothing but oil. <laughs> well,
4: uh, energy is their their primary. I mean, they export gold too, commodities wise.
5: Well, just uh, not to take anybody. We've got so much stuff to talk about with Katie winning all these awards and stuff. We're going to talk about res- medical research because that's what she's here for. We'll probably wait on that a little bit until Jan Flanagan. In the meantime, she can opine in with the rest of us. What what exactly? Uh, when you, when you do the math, when you talk about OPEC, so for those guys, what are they down to, Greg? Twenty percent maybe of production? Twenty one worldwide. In just a worldwide oil production with Russia, they got to be higher. But um, anyway, when when you have market power like they like they used to have, this is long before. Well,
4: natural gas is different than crude oil. Right, but they so, but they
5: raise the price or they they cut the production of oil over the weekend. Right, right, right.
4: and so now I think oil's up what. Uh, four bucks well, yeah. or five bucks. So they shocked everybody a little bit. It's eighty eighty dollars eighty dollar oil is still within the, you know, realistic possibility for most peop people who use it as an input. So
5: Yeah. So it's not like it's hundred and twenty. It's
4: not your gas isn't gonna be like five bucks tomorrow.
5: It's but just the math and not to go uh, and Katie didn't take economics for reasons, so she probably wanna listen to this. But when you when you when you talk about market power, and clearly back in nineteen seventy three when OPEC was formed uh, I think it was formed in 73, somewhere in there. Um, you have market power when, if you can uh, drop your production by 10%, say, and that causes the price to go up more than 10%, then then you've got power. Right, Greg? Right, they usually do like, what, 10 million barrels of oil? Right. What I'm saying is I don't think they have that kind of power anymore. I think if they, if they drop their production by 20%, which they didn't do, they dropped it like a million six barrels a day. They dropped their production by twenty percent. I don't think they're getting a twenty percent goose at oil prices. No. Which no. means which which means they really have way less power than they did in the seventies, which I think is a good thing.
4: It's definitely a good thing. And when you think about ten percent of whatever, twenty percent, and them taking it off of the it's it's not it's not gonna move it shouldn't move the global price more than, you know, 1% or so, but people get anxious and the implications when, when one country does it, maybe another country might do it. And then they kind of similar to what you see in the banking, uh, in you get scared and then the next person gets scared and then the price starts moving. So right 4%. <laughs> oh, okay. So hopefully that incents more people to bring to market and then the production comes up and then the price goes down, but you never know because... OPEC is a cartel.
5: Right. Well, and also, is going back to my college days, since we have a, a college lady in here, well, I was actually was in grad school, which she will be next year. The uh, like Milton Friedman used to say, the hardest thing about a cartel is maintaining discipline. They always cheat. The question is how much how much are they going to cheat Is they gonna screw up the, the cartel? And I don't think you think OPEC has ever set a number where the Emirates could produce, you know, 100,000 barrels of oil a day, and they produced exactly 100,000 and didn't cheat a little bit. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so there's always some, I'll use the term again, leakage. <laughs> right. right. There's right. always some some cheating. and uh, uh, But just bear with me here for a second, Katie. When you look at the oils, get a little of this. We ran into some people on Saturday night. Uh, God, talk about right-wingers. One guy had a, a camouflage Trump hat on, so you can only imagine of course, I get in this long debate with these guys. And uh, Audrey heads over and just sits down with their wives. And I not we shouldn't be saying anything bad about the, the females part of the species, but, Katie, all four of them were talking. The Uh-oh. ladies. How, how did anybody listen when all four were talking? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they had a nice time. They are talking about their dogs, the kids. Are, so I'm talking to the guys. And it is, sometimes when people talk about economic stuff, I mean, on the show here, we try and give everybody a sort of a perspective that these are long-term swings. I mean, They were talking about Jimmy Carter, what a horrible president he was, and I said, but a lot of the stuff that happened to Carter was destined before him. You know, Bretton Woods and Nixon and the inflation was all there for him. And actually, if you looked at where the numbers bottomed out, it was in Reagan's first term. But of course, things got better, and he got a second term, so he's considered a hero. And I think he did a pretty nice job, and I don't think Jimmy Carter was a very good president, but to blame all that stuff on that four years, is well spending a yep. whole
4: bunch on whatever coronavirus related that wasn't deflationary at the time. They thought they were making up for uh, lost demand, but right. it it over the long term, you know, if you pump in twenty five percent of the money supply and however make, make long, that 30. yeah, thirty percent in uh, 18 a year, months, 18 yeah, months. a year and a half. That's that's going to be somewhat inflationary. At a
5: point. It's, <laughs> it's like somewhat like ridiculously. Yeah. Right, unless there's a... Well, one of the other one where I'm trying to get to in a clumsy manner here is when you talk about oil, you look at these oil rig counts, and you know people will talk about how Trump was really pro-oil and uh, Biden isn't, which I think is probably very true, don't you? I mean, both yeah. You, that's... I mean, I don't know, if you, if you, Katie, if you would think that, but if you look at oil rig counts, and these oil rig counts go back to, this chart I'm looking at it goes back to 1973... It takes years for these things to wind down. It takes years for them to come back up. So actually, when when Trump was in office in 2020, we were down to 250 rig counts, and now we're back up to 758. But that it it had nothing to do with Trump or Biden. It had to do well. Maybe we're not up faster because of Biden. That's probably true. But it had to do with what did oil get down to? 28 bucks. And everybody it flashed there in the future. It flashed there. there, and all of a sudden, everybody just got these things were all sold overseas. But right now. I think we're in way better shape, countrywide, to absorb this OPEC thing than we were three years ago. We've got three, three, almost four times, three times as many rigs working. Not to mention all this other stuff in the, uh, you know, the Bakken and those other kinds of places. So, I don't know that this is going to be that big of a hurt to, you, to us. Do you? What What hurts? I mean, when the oil price the being, price Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think they're going to push it to a hundred, is what I'm saying.
4: That we we do have the Trump card in that if you ever really needed to, you can turn you could turn the the switch and all of a sudden fire up a bunch of domestic.
5: Well, not so, all of a sudden, but uh, well, yeah, nothing happens you, fast. In if that you area.
4: give the the domestic companies uh, money or an incentive, they will more than happy be more than happy to turn some stuff on and make sure yeah. that you will have some kind of supply within. A year, you know, or whatever it is, because there is so much of it here right. that that if if they decide to be real pieces of work, wherever else you could say, all right, well, <laughs> not only are we going to do it here, but we're not going to export to to you there, and all of a sudden the domestic oil price is say seventy five bucks, but the world market price could be like one hundred and twenty bucks.
5: Well, that that you get the kind of it, but now we're pretty good. That could be at a possibility. Could be a possibility. Yeah. Plus, you could. Um, Katie, I don't know how many. As you, uh, she's a she's a huge star when it comes to. She's going to solve all the problems of every disease in the world by the time she's sixty. Uh, have you ever wandered through Someone's an economics gotta class? Somebody's got to do it. Is yeah, right. Please get any disease I'm going to get. Please get it cured before I get there. <laughs> I'll try, <laughs> uh, try my best. But have you ever wandered through an economics class? oh well, first of all, have you?
6: No, Honestly, Yeah, oh, I was straight. It's all made up. Straight anyway. science. It's all made over up. Here.
4: Science <laughs> is stuff that's repeatable. Economics, you can you cannot test, and it's not repeatable, or at least most of it.
5: Well, at least you, have, you should take one or two, or, or I'll give you a couple of books because you don't want people giving you wrong ideas. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. It's all wrong. It's all yeah. It's <laughs> Everything's all wrong. but anyway, when, when people talk about how much oil there is in the world and in the U.S., it's always oil that is recoverable at current prices. Mm-hmm. So just by definition, if oil's at seventy bucks, there's X number that it's available. Oil at 100 bucks means there's a hell of a lot more available.
6: Okay.
5: Because because now all of a sudden you have a, a field that wasn't worth it at 70 bucks, but now it is at $100. Yeah. So because everything is all, and, you know, and one of the things, well, if I explain it to you in case other people don't know, it's not about oil in your tank. It's not about oil at the refinery. It's, it's about getting oil from the field to wherever it is you can use it. Mm. So if you've got some place in Wyoming, 40 miles in the nearest road with no pipeline, and you hit a gusher you're sitting there going okay now what yeah because the oil is 80 bucks but it's 80 bucks in Cushing Oklahoma not 80 <laughs> bucks on your place you got to get it there yeah.
4: you got to get it you got to get okay. it there and then they got to take it someplace else yeah. they want a piece of whatever that price
5: is to transport it right so if it costs you 50 bucks to get it out of the ground in the middle of Wyoming it's not doing you any good yeah but now oil oil's 120 bucks now maybe it's worth bringing the tanker in and moving it someplace i got gotcha. you so it's all about there's a logic to it, or, yeah. or somewhat of a logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, the uh, so how did you? Uh, let's start with you. Well, we uh, well while, not while you're here. Now that we're honored to you, Mike, Katie. For those that don't know, we'll go through the whole details when John's in. But just as a little bit of a history, you went to Maris High School, which makes me proud because that's where I went.
6: Oh, I didn't know that, honestly. Yeah. Go Redhawks. <laughs> or
5: well, was it... We used to be the Redmen. I was
6: going to say, you had a different mascot back then. We
5: were the Redmen, but now that there's girls there, we got to be the Red Hawks. Yeah. <laughs> the Sounds Redmen. A, a little more yeah.
6: politically it's, correct. Yeah. A little more...
5: Well, yeah. <laughs> we gorgeous guys, but actually saved... You the uh, Marist
4: football team also?
5: Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, they, but the ladies have sort of saved... It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. I mean, in, in my era... Uh, they were a college prep kind of place. Mm-hmm. It had all kinds of people, but a lot of the areas that they drew from on the south side, essentially, you're not drawn from them anymore. That's a politically yeah. correct way of saying it, because there used to be uh, maybe five or six south suburban before your time. Safeway buses in the parking lot. A lot of people from uh, Hammond, not oh. so much Hammond, but Thornridge, Riverdale. No, there's nobody from any of those areas. Yeah, no, no, not there's not at all. a soul. So the, the demographic changed. School wasn't doing so hot. And I don't, I don't know if you, even though you're a proud graduate, you ever heard of a, a gentleman named Jim Tyree? Mm-mm. Well, Jimmy Tyree passed maybe 10 years ago, unfortunately. He was the nicest guy. He was the head of Mesro Financial. But he also was the guy that really saved Marist. He was on the board. He poured in a bunch of money. And he said, we're going co
6: Yeah, that is what saved them. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, especially competing with Macaulay. Like, yeah. I was between Macaulay and Marist, and it was just... Kind of obvious, well, yeah. especially Maris has such a better like academic reputation now, especially.
5: Well, but there were so when I when I graduated grammar school, a lot of girls went to Longwood, oh. which obviously closed. Which Academy of Our Lady was east on Ninety Fifth. Yeah, I've. And there was another lady, one, Mercy, further east. But I mean, you know, guys are willing to let, or families are willing to let their guys trundle over to Mount Carmel. They're not going to let their daughters do it.
6: Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm.
5: based, so Macaulay was basically the only last one standing outside of Queen of Peace. Yeah. And then Maris went to uh, co ed. went? Well, St. Lawrence is going to co St. Co-ed Lawrence, but it
6: was more of a like, forced, last result. Uh,
5: forced merger. Yeah. And, uh, well, Rice and, and Macaulay are still right next to each other. And they're not. Do mm-hmm. they even have. Uh, they don't even have classes back and forth, do they?
6: Oh. No, I, not that I know of at least. But I know at least Macaulay, their enrollment's been really declining. Maris has just killed them.
4: What's co ed?
6: Like boys and girls.
4: Oh, thanks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, no, which, which of those two are co-ed?
6: Oh, I was like, do you really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look dumb. Oh, <laughs> that, that was I quite was like, the
5: question. i like, where did that come from? Yeah. <laughs> which um, ones are?
6: Marist Ro- is co-ed. And okay. then Macaulay Rice. and Brother Rice are like brother-sister schools. Okay. And they're like 100
5: right. yards apart. All right. Or maybe 200 yeah, yards apart. Yeah, super close. Yeah. And uh, so they've, they've never – I'm kind of surprised. Even Notre Dame and St. Mary's, there were classes back and forth, even though yeah. they were – before they were together. So, mm-hmm. anyway – with the uh, So at Marist, I was in the the program where I, I took chemistry and all that stuff. and uh, So you obviously, where, where did you get this drive for science? Was it at Marist? It must have been.
6: Yeah, it was at Marist, but honestly, my whole life, like looking back, I was always really interested in it. Like I remember I got this microscope when I was so young and I would just like, collect bugs and like put it under the microscope i got from like the resale shop and like i like from such a young age i was always doing stuff like that or like trying to look at things under like a magnifying glass so i think yeah marist was like definitely pushed that because they have a really good like math program especially in like science but i think just my whole life i always knew i wanted to do something in science that's really something yeah, yeah i was always very like curious i i just remember i would like it was. I was in kindergarten, and like the cicadas came out, and I feel like oh, God. that <laughs> that made me like so curious. I remember just like collecting all the bugs with my grandma in like the backyard. What
5: diseases do those carry?
6: God knows, <laughs> probably a lot.
5: I don't know. They, they had one year. My niece, who was in her mid thirties, she was probably five. It was one of those seventeen year deals, and they lived in Beverly. Yeah. It was before all the trees went down because the Dutch elms. They had so many. I mean, you're jumping across the sidewalk if you Oh willing. yeah, she, she was scared. She was scared. She didn't like them, <laughs> and they're big.
6: They are huge. Yeah, they're, yeah.
5: they're, they're, they're not little, but uh... take a golf club and just. So you went to. You, so you went to Loyola for science. I mean, you went. Yeah, to Yeah, okay. yeah. So
6: coming out of Marist, I knew that I wanted to do something in science, and like also being a volleyball player, I in the recruiting process for college, it was important to me to find a school that had a good science reputation as well as like volleyball so that's what kind of led me to Loyola because I don't know they what ever... did
5: the coach think about you and all those labs and stuff
6: <laughs> it kind of more went like it was very out of her area she was kind of just like you do you you go whatever you want I don't understand it but it sounds pretty cool but yeah I I knew that going into college I was very interested in um like neuroscience especially because not many school or colleges have a neuroscience program in wow. Loyola um. Just, it's a recent major. It's probably started within the past 10 years. And is this now on it's,
5: campus or you have to go to hospital? Yeah, it's on campus. Okay. And
6: now, it just started, like, t- less than 10 years ago. And now, it's the third biggest major at Loyola. And, like, wow. I like... Yeah, I know. And now, neuroscience just nationwide is... Growing a lot
4: of nerds at Loyola,
6: now. yeah, <laughs> at such a big rate. because um, in the 90s, they finally started getting approved for like grants to do neuroscience research. That's since, really something, yeah, since it was such a stigmatized um field before where it's like, oh, if, if it's in the brain, you can't see it, it's not a problem. But yeah, once that started in the 90s, it really picked up the neuroscience. How did the emphasis? schools
5: decide? Um, I know it's because they took down the faculty club to do it. Notre Dame got some big. They were I don't know how, I know they had the freshman year of Indiana medical school there when I was there. so they had some and were considered like a, a, a cradle of, of doctors I made mean, a big pre pre-med program and stuff. I don't know if they did anything like this on their own, but then all of a sudden they got all this money to do a what's it the, what's the stuff where he, the the nanotechnology?
6: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. have some
5: huge building there that does so that, that's the direction they sort of went off into, whatever mm-hmm. that is. So yeah. the, but everybody gets – it's all about getting grants and getting started, right?
6: Yeah, it is. Yeah, especially if um, your university is a really big research focus. That's why – Loyola doesn't as much. It's more medical focus. That's why I sought out a research um, job at University of Minnesota since it's like an R1 university and they have so much research funding. Like, you can get – Grants so much more easily than at a school like Loyola, even though they have a great neuroscience program. It just depends on your funding.
5: Well, hopefully, uh, the person who's in charge of getting the funding is a big job.
6: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: I wonder how they even go about doing that. But I mean, yeah,
6: you-, you more have to like submit grants. So that's what like the program I did this summer. I had to apply to like get a grant from the NIH, and like you can do that way. Easier if you're going for the big, like Big Ten universities, stuff like that. Who has just so much money that they can spend.
5: Well, I was, uh, I did first freshman year in pre-med and after freshman year, I said enough of that. <laughs> but if I saw the, the organic you, chemistry is the, well, that's the thing I didn't yeah, want to. Like was silent killer. <laughs> was right? They had uh, well, freshman chemistry was supposedly well the first one, but I had two years at Marist, so I blew through that. I was fine with that. But then I looked at organic chem, I said. Eh, yeah, it's a different ball game once game. get so, to college camp. So you you you're one of the few people who enjoyed organic chem.
6: I actually did not have to take that surprisingly because I'm I was pre-med freshman and sophomore year and I we
5: passed out.
6: Yeah, and I was like I was just it because every science major is I feel like when you go into college you're like okay, I'm doing pre-med and then I realized I really liked the research aspect and I'm studying cognitive and behavioral neuroscience so I'm more with the focus on, like, the brain and behavior. So I actually got out of that class. But I had to take the other chem and sell bio and that type of we stuff. We look what's
5: going on in the world. We need some more research on the brain. What do you think, mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you'll ever be be able to explain people. Uh, uh,
5: predictably yeah. Predictably irrational. Especially now that everybody's on drugs of some kind. It's makes um, it to even... So we, the, should, uh, we should do that. Yeah, we, <laughs> should, we should get some good drugs. And yeah, do drugs. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
6: Experiment on yes. the show.
5: <laughs> what's the... Uh, so what if you're if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you take Adderall and Viagra, isn't that it? <laughs> it sounds good to me. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, the Adderall keeps you focused. Yeah, yeah.
3: a it's winning combo. Adderall shortage. Chemically, right now. Yeah, chemically Adderall shortage. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: What's
4: Adderall chemically is similar to, to cocaine. It's Coke or almost mesh? the yeah. same
6: exact thing. There's one. There's like one chemical difference, but it's chemically almost identical. It's just the way of intake. Like I was actually talking about this in my class. Like, if you were to inject it, like intravenously like or like snort it like cocaine or something like that it would have the same effects it's just like timing differences and how it cheap? enters wow. your brain
5: see wow well my uh, he's been a guest on the show our buddy uh, Dr. Blade Dr. Johnson uh, he he says that those things what was the other one For, what was the other one It was the uh, other thing they give kids uh, Ritalin Ritalin oh. oh he said they actually are uh, a, ser- a serious out. silver bullet if you have that sort of a uh, whatever chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, they act totally differently. And that's yeah. why all the kids in school are always ripping the stuff off of the kids who actually need it.
6: Mm-hmm, exactly. That's yeah. why I know some friends who have ADHD and they get so mad because when they tell people, it's like they're like, this is not an automatic invite for me to yeah. let you buy Adderall off of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need that to focus I mean. in school.
5: Yeah, but other kids, I, mean, I guess it's, it's a big high, right? It's almost like Coke.
6: Yeah, that's why it is. exact, yeah. Almost exactly chemically like I Coke. Did not,
5: I did not know that.
6: That's why people like to do it at parties because it's the same effect and the same chemically that's yeah it's pretty crazy.
5: <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked I had no, I had no idea. Yeah,
6: yeah. Mm-hmm. there's this um, researcher at Columbia um, Carl Hart and he's like a huge um, guy in the drug industry and his like goal is to like destigmatize drugs and like his whole he did a whole presentation and paper on how coke and adderall are the same and people Mm. don't realize it because coke is such like a stigma but like obviously it's a very addictive drug but like yeah (laughs) yeah
5: the guy Um. i ran to the uh board with years and years ago probably probably before katie uh his wife was such an addict she she was like you've heard of ike and tina turner right so (laughs) where are you going with this (laughs) well I, i could put his finger up one of his nostrils and winging over to the other side uh. <laughs> and this guy's God. wife was the same way yeah, uh, yeah. Which that's you know because you actually you actually blow out your nasal that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. yeah yeah I that's do have a, an interesting coke story um, <laughs> always gotta have one you always gotta have one at I, least I, these uh, yeah. I used to coach the the first stop girls softball team right so I invited this party and these are these are party animals these ladies mm-hmm. and one of the guys had all this coke out on a on a dining room table or on, on a coffee table all like lined up and every, I, I never never did it uh, yeah, along comes the, uh was it? it? was a gold, the golden retriever. Oh well, my God! One swing of the tail, you guys were you guys were snorting the rug. Oh <laughs> I, oh I, I, was, I was dying laughing. That's crazy. <laughs> I was I <I'm> oops. <laughs> Dog's like looking around like, what did I do? S P futures down two and a quarter. futures down eighty four. You're right back. Stacks and jacks.
2: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
1: Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program. innovation in human resources licensed in illinois and arizona
5: hello this is tom howell the chief confused about investing these days i suspect you are not alone investing was never easy although at times it may have seemed so i think one reason behind the current concern although maybe not explained as such is how the fluctuation in the american dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments in your wealth it may not be enough to make some money in your investments and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure, but I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTI Securities.com. That's PTI Securities.com. Stocks, jocks, Jackson, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here,
4: right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now.
5: Well, welcome to Big Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. we got a big crowd here today. We have Greg Pappas in the office. We have Katie Rather. and We should have Mr. Jan Flanagan on the phone here in a second. Mm-hmm. Hopefully on a Twitter. Or on a Zoom, not Twitter. Nah, we don't want him on Twitter. SP <laughs> Futures down 4 and ASAP Futures down 90. Uh, Dow Futures are actually up 136. Well, the reason for that is... Because we have uh, Chevron, Texaco, uh, no surprise there, up seven bucks. His oil is up four uh, percent, and I think the what's the multiplier now, Greg? in the Dow is like seven and a half. So that's one stock being up seven has got to be pushing fifty points in the Dow, right? Oh yeah, something like that. And we've got McDonald. McDonald. This is this is interesting. McDonald's is up a dollar fifty nine. As McDonald's has told everybody to stay home today from their offices. Not your hamburger. You'll still be able to get a McDonald's burger. And the
0: they're corporate. staying home and
5: deciding who they still want. And they're going to fire people at home. I, Wow. I have not heard of a bigger, whatever kind of nasty expletive you could put in their policy <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Stay home so wow. we can probably po- ship them the contents of their desk. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, over in Europe, we've got the uh, DAX down a buck, call that flat. FTSE up 52.7%, around up 284 Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 146.5%, Hang Seng up 9 call that flat. Wow, Hang Seng's not up or down two percent, Greg. What's going on over there? Snoozer day. Shanghai up twenty three point seven percent. We've got bonds, a uh, ten-year unchanged at three point five, like exactly. The bond unchanged two point three zero. Not much going on in the bond world. Uh, Japan, however, having said that, is up seven basis points to point three nine. Oil, as we've been mentioning all morning, up four seventy one to eighty thirty eight. That's West Texas. Rent up 479, 84.68. Natural gas down thirteen cents two oh seven. Hard Bob. Up a dime, two seventy eight. I guess I should have filled the suburban up yesterday, Greg, instead of uh, Oops. yeah, Oops. three quarters of a tank. You know when you got a forty two gallon tank, it's kind of long <laughs> it's a long drink in that thing. Uh, we've got gold um, up as well, up 610. 1992, trying to break through this two thousand. Greg, is it gonna make it through here or not? It seems of course like it's it is it gets it's just there when it, <laughs> it's, right now it's like whack-a mole. When it gets there it goes right back down. Silver down five cents, twenty four eleven, copper down two cents, four oh seven. We've got Bitcoin. Of 239,28,000, $28,270. it's been a pretty serious bull market bit, uh, bitcoin this year. And the US dollar, last but not least, is down again as the euro is 1087, which is that's 0.2 percent. And the British pound um, is 123, make it 124. So both of those are higher, dollars lower, uh, and oil up. That's the story today. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us traveling weather, sports? Our, our teams, the Bulls,
3: are hot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, good morning. Currently 638 a.m. on April 3rd, 2023. This morning in Chicago, partly cloudy skies. 43 degrees currently, later on a high of 57. Showers likely on Wednesday. Our current 7-day forecast indicates sunny skies from Thursday on out. So there's some good news for you. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 58 degrees currently, a high of 79 later on. I can only imagine, wow. Sunny skies for the current forecast. And Saturday in the men's NCAA tournament, Final Four, UConn beats Miami 72-59. to 59. And San Diego State wins a close game against Florida Atlantic, 72-71. Tonight, the national championship, San Diego State versus UConn. Game starts at 8.20 p.m. live from Houston, Texas. And yesterday in the women's uh, NCAA tournament, LSU beats out Iowa with a final score of 102-85. As well as that, in the NBA, of course, uh, the Bulls beat Grizzlies, 128-107. And Suns beat Thunder, 128-118. Well, for now, Chief, back to you.
5: Yeah, you, were, you were a basketball girl, too, or just volleyball?
6: Yeah, I actually played basketball competitively for a really long time. If you would have told me when I was younger, I always thought I'd be playing basketball in college. So I've been following the women's tournament a lot.
5: What do you think about uh, Caitlin Clark?
6: Oh, my God. She's insane. I think yeah. she's, like, changed women's basketball forever. It's, it's so cool to see them get the publicity they are this year, especially because it's obviously typically the attention goes to the men's tournament but i think the women's has been so fun to follow this mm. season.
5: She's uh she could use a little personality work. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to be. <laughs> to just say nothing. Oh well,
5: yeah. no, no, she she says a lot. Well, well she's she's a uh, Jan, we have you? You do good morning everyone. Uh you're you're coming in loud and clear. You on Zoom? Yes, I am. Yeah, you are you're, you're loud and clear. Did you hear a uh, big Zoom energy? The first part of a uh, talking about Katie's were I did. Away Thank through you. Marist And she made me feel better as a Marist grad. You know, <laughs> did you know that uh, Adderall is the same thing as cocaine? I did not. Well, I, 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 I didn't know that, so I'm enlightened. <laughs>
3: does that, <laughs> now, do does that
5: make you happy or? Uh... Well, well, no, the
7: price zero-y. for
3: John's Adderall just went up. Price yeah. <laughs> Adderall just went up.
5: <laughs> Are Adderall and uh, Ritalin pretty much the same thing?
6: I don't know about that. I just know about Adderall and Coke because we. I took a class about. Like drugs and behavior and neuroscience, and my professor was telling us because most people don't know that it's mostly just the method of intake that changes your reaction. Ah, yeah. So if wow. you like snort it versus like taking a pill, it takes so much longer for it to digest and like metabolize than when you snort it. It goes like.
5: Well, that's one like of the biggest edible. issues with yeah. the edibles. Yeah. Because like yeah. everybody drink, you know, has the one brownie and it's not doing anything. They immediately take the second mm-hmm. brownie. And it's not a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, hey, isn't, weren't the first two people to really do a tremendous amount on this name, image, and likeness? Weren't they two volleyball players from, like – Weren't there two twin ladies that were both, like, total model material? Didn't they get the first big deal? They, weren't they, like, southeast Alabama or someplace? Hmm.
6: I'm not sure. You know? I don't know about that, but I know, like, the barstool athlete was definitely a big thing. They like jumped just, on that Starting quick. with the NIL. I know I was technically a barstool athlete for, like, a period of time. Wow. But – yeah, because I know someone. It was someone from a school like that, like reached out to Dave Portnoy from Barstool, like, "Hey, I'm going to be your first Barstool athlete," and that kind of started.
5: All right, what's a Barstool athlete? It's
6: like, it's really just more for brags. Like they send you merch, and then you, it's more like advertising Barstool. Honestly, I think they know like athletes have a lot of influence on social media, so just like having it in your
3: bio, like. Ah. And Barstool makes, is like a uh, uh, like a social media type thing, right? Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. So that's more of a thing. I know
4: They're, they've got Barstool Finance now. I don't know. Ugh. It's kind of like, uh, well, it's kind of like barstool sports, <laughs> more joking. And, yeah. Uh, yeah.
6: <laughs> I know that. I don't know. In the women's basketball tournament, like you, Miami. I don't know if you're familiar with the two twins on there. I saw they're making like, what was it, seven hundred thousand dollars from this, like so, tournament and nil money, which wow. is like insane. So do they get a,
5: a shoe contract or are they doing something else?
6: I don't know what they're doing. I know Caitlin Clark did stuff with like Buick and Bose right. headphones, but she got
5: Nike. Some point, oh, yeah, that's a awesome. big one, but she that's was making crazy. a million bucks before Nike. This, yeah, I'm not this, surprised. This, yeah.
4: The gymnast, though, is I think the highest. What's her name? Oh, livy Dunn yeah. from LSU, so, yeah, she's got a huge,
6: contract. yeah, she was on Barstool actually, really? one of their podcasts. Yeah, yeah, she's crazy. Everyone's well, but so a lot surprised.
5: of this, I mean, the, the the history sort of this. Dr. J's brother, uh, Paul, unfortunately, is no longer with us, he died of ALS. But when he was at Berkeley, they wanted to have him, he's a good looking guy, he, he wanted to be a model. Uh, not for you know, not for Playgirl or anything, but he was going to be just do like flannel shirts. Mm. They wouldn't let you do that. I mean, it, yeah, it was. It I mean, was they, they owned your likeness, so I mean, they did. Uh, it
6: was really strict because my freshman so- or freshman sophomore junior year, we didn't have that, and we would get you would have to talk with compliance. and have such strict meetings, like you cannot do this or else you will get in so much trouble. Because yeah, it was very very strict.
5: Because originally it wasn't getting paid because you're on the court. The two girls I'm talking about, this has got to be whenever it started four or five years ago. They actually, they were re- they were recruited as models long before they were su- they were volleyball players. Wow. So I mean it was so they couldn't really do their job, you know. I mean they couldn't even. Yeah. You know, they couldn't be a model during the summer. Why, you know, I mean, that type of thing. Yeah. So it wasn't it had, kind of had nothing to do with their team really. Hmm. I mean, and a lot of it was the same way. I mean, you, people that. I mean, this guy was going to do flannel shirts for Coles or somebody. I mean, it yeah. wasn't like it was. He was going to wear the Cal Berkeley hat or anything when he was there. Mm -hmm. They were just real strict on it. And all of a sudden, it's – I think there's a difference between – somewhat of a difference between getting a Nike contract to pay for Iowa and and just being able to do something else on your own you could have done anyway. Yeah. Or they prevented you from doing it. It Are those two
4: on on Miami – are they $700 a piece or $800 a piece or is it
6: total? Um, I wasn't sure. I thought it was a piece because they – there was a huge scan around them actually because they transferred to Miami and there was a huge thing that they um, yeah
4: Fresno State to Miami yeah they it?
6: they broke the NIL rules and that um, what rules yeah exactly Toronto they they're rules. very like suspicious so they think that they went to Miami because people. Um, Brought them there. They're like, we could get you this nil money. We the could-
4: traditional reason to go to Miami. Well, is- <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, and it was a Nothing whole thing that
6: they were being investigated. I don't know how it turned out, but There's I know there for was for
5: thirty on there. Can you, does anybody think that's not happening all over the place? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
6: Look at the football team. I forgot some SEC school I saw is making a whole new like part of their athletics department where they have like places where you can for the athletes to film TikTok videos and like yeah, yeah all that stuff. It's yeah, changing everything. Well, the,
5: the, the Notre Dame lineman. This is all well. That's when it first started. There's some pizza joint. Just come on over on a Saturday night, and we'll give you, like, free pizza and beer. <laughs> okay, for sure. I mean, So, yeah, it started out that way, but now the whole – every school's got their guys that, yeah. that, that that do this stuff and essentially bid for people. But, hey, we can talk about this in a bit. John, did you hear the part earlier where she was – you know, started out in Marist and went to Loyola. Now, Loyola, so when did you actually – after, what, sophomore year, you were able to – get a job during the summer in your field or did you do it after freshman year as well
6: yeah after sophomore year um i really started it was during covid i remember like i had so much time to think about what i wanted to do so i literally just emailed as many people as i could that had the same interests as me and like set up time to talk with them because no one had anything going on so well it
5: totally shut down right
6: yeah yeah so i just like zoomed so many people and like kind of asked them what to do to like get to where they are so they told me to like apply for these research programs so I started with one fellowship that I did at Loyola for like developmental psych research that the summer after my sophomore year. Is
5: that out of Maywood?
6: No it was actually out of um, Lakeshore it was like the I helped out with this girl who's getting her PhD in developmental psych but then at the same time I also did a internship at Shirley Ryan. Um,
5: That's Northwestern?
6: Yeah working with people with aphasia
5: um, okay, what's the uh, Yeah,
6: I was going to say most people don't know what it is. Um, mm. It's when you – it's typically caused by having a stroke in a certain part of your brain that affects your ability to communicate. So your cognitive abilities are the same. You're, like, not cognitively impaired. It's just communication-wise you're I have, impaired.
5: I have, a, I have a friend that has that.
6: Yeah, so it's really hard because most people don't understand, and they assume that you lose your cognitive abilities, so they're just treated poorly, and you either have a problem with your, like, output of communication or, like – well, they, and, they, and put, they,
5: they withdraw from people.
6: Yeah, yeah. That's what it's like. Most people diagnosed with aphasia, like, less than a year after, 80% of them have, like, severe depression because of yeah, the disease. Exactly. So it's terrible. So I worked on a study, like, helping um, people with aphasia have, like, a personalized at-home virtual treatment because, like, personalized therapy is super helpful for people with aphasia trying to get their language back. So and it works? Um, yeah, kind of. It was... I was more testing the virtual. So, like, the whole idea of the therapy works. It was just more, can we do this at home? Because people with aphasia often have motor um, impairments as well because if the stroke affects more brain regions, it's just, like, if the you co- were communication a, area. If
5: volleyball was still Showing going on, on would you have, would you have been able to do that, or, are they, are they, or do they control your life? In the,
6: they you know? do control your life, but in the summer you're able to do stuff. So that's why I did that more in the summer and then – But then junior year, I started doing research like full time at school. So yeah, it's hard hard to manage.
5: Doctor Jay's dad uh, was a he was head of medicine at the University of Minnesota. Oh. A janitorian, and he's probably you know five guys before when you were there, but he uh, he was a real big guy and loved football. So he went to Cal Berkeley, and he was, you know, they weren't making any money playing pro football in those days. So so he was in med school, and the coach said. John, when you can help us, come to practice and I need you on Saturday. He'd come to practice two, three days and he'd play on Saturday. The coach didn't, never attempted to try and say, hey, you can't, you can't go to labs because you're playing football because it was never any thought that you're going to make more money in the NFL than you yeah. would. So mm-hmm. it was a whole different world than like now. They pretty much control everything, right?
6: They do. especially Yeah, You when you're in season, you are 100% committed to them like nothing comes before that and your hours that you have so yeah it is it's very hard that's why there aren't many like stem majors for people who play sports because it's just so hard to do both
5: of course now that you can play six years you can catch up yeah (laughs) it's okay so you 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 went to now Shirley Ryan you did that for that you just got on, on your own you went there and a PhD person had you as their assistant and you got paid through
6: yeah, it, you had to apply for like a fellowship, so I had to like submit like a, this really long application. That's how you get most of them, especially like the paid fellowships and grants.
5: So you got paid by Northwestern.
6: I got paid by Loyola to do that. The North, Northwestern one was volunteer because most okay. of the ones that you do in undergrad are volunteer, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I got I got a grant for a Minnesota one, so that I well
5: paid. the one at the, one at the Northwestern, like, you had to commute from home, or are you still paying to live in a dorm.
6: It was actually remote, since that was during COVID. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, so I, yeah, it was really convenient because all the research I did was mostly, like, I was involved with, like, the coding part of the study, so, and then I would do, like, community groups where I would talk with people with aphasia on, like, a Zoom group, which was so you so never used to
5: bugging your mom the whole time. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
5: <laughs> all right, well, I mean, that's, that, because that, that whole, I mean, it's hard to even remember that whole COVID thing. I mean, oh, I know. Because I think it was people want to forget it. Yeah. So, Dan, why don't you pile in I'm sure you have questions. I'm a Loyola person, too. Oh, wow. Okay, so
7: did my graduate work in English there, so very simpatico connection here.
6: Go <laughs> well, you know,
7: Are you in a, in a field where you see yourself um, practicing someday, I mean, doing what you are, you know, being mentored to do now is that part of your career plan do you have other ideas about it
6: yeah i would like to right now my goal is to do a phd in clinical neuropsychology so i would like to be like a neuropsychologist and see patients so like like diagnose um learning disabilities or like figure out if they have a traumatic brain injury like what part of the brain is like injured and then do doing that phd program i could do like research as well too so i think i would want like a balance between like seeing patients and doing research and I could also teach if I want to so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly
7: yet but so is, a, does teaching appeal to you or are you just it in,
6: does but I think I would want to do that more after being in the field for a while because I think research still interests me and lots of people I talk to say like interacting with patients gives you more ideas especially for research instead of just having a pure research career so doing Absolutely, both is yeah. helpful yeah. um so, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm leaning towards.
5: So how did the how did the, uh, the thing with Minnesota start? There was an application yeah, for somebody here or there?
6: It was an application. It's like a big program they've had since, like, the 90s, and it's called the Life Science Summer Research Program, and it's, like, um, so many schools, especially, like, Big Ten schools with big budgets have these summer research programs that lots of people try to get into. So um, I just applied and I was really happy to get in since um, Minnesota has a really like well-known neuroscience program and they were like huge pioneers in the field of neuroscience when it wasn't popular like a while ago so that's why I knew I wanted to get involved there.
5: So you applied to the university or to a group there?
6: Or? Yeah I was to the university it was technically through the med school so I was technically like employed by their med school to work in the lab there and I worked in a cerebellar ataxia lab where I did lots of like bench science
5: work what does that mean um
6: so yeah, yeah to clarify that's more like exactly what you would think about like in the lab like with the lab code i would okay. um it was i worked with mice so i would actually have to like unfortunately like kill them and then take out their brains and like dissect and like do surgery and then i'd mash up their tissue and then do experiments on it um yeah so it's very heavy like bio genetics Ah. Neuroscience.
5: So when you say uh, they have a lot of money, do you, I mean, I, I don't expect you to be an expert on this, but wh- where does it come from? Does it come from the state? Does it come from uh, donations? Yeah, does it from the federal government? That's a good
6: question. So it comes from usually the NIH, uh, National Institute of Health, and that's where I got my grant from, and that's where I'm working at Vanderbilt after I graduate, and that's where I'm getting the grant from there as well. So it's mostly from the N- National Institute of Health or other um, like institutes for like research so I got mine through there to work at Minnesota. That's how the labs usually run.
5: So you mentioned on the way in that uh, the grad schools are looking for people that did like a year of work. Yeah. So, I mean, Harvard, Harvard Business School wanted you to work a year or two before you went to the business school. University of Chicago wanted you right out of mm-hmm. college. So did the different schools have different styles in that or are they all the same?
6: They're pretty much all the same, especially for, like, PhD programs and, like, clinical neuropsych. They – it's kind of a joke that everyone who you're applying to the program expects you to have a PhD before getting a PhD. (laughs) So you have to have, like, so much research experience. Even though I have a lot, they really value, like, once you're out of undergrad, like, fully doing that full time. So most people have an average of two years of research and just – even in general, for like med school and PhD programs, the average year of like um, where people are accepted is increasing like every year. People are getting much so in their mid 20s by the time that they get accepted.
5: Well, one of our, one of Jen and my uh, best friends from college, uh, one of these days will we'll drag his ass on the air. What do you think, Jen? Tom Conway, he just retired from uh, NOAA. Oh, that'd be great. The, uh, he was a uh, chemist for NOAA, and that was he always wanted to do that kind of stuff. The atmospheric in,
4: place, yeah. Oh, he, but he nice. was in the wow.
5: remember the DC eights th- that were doing the ozone hole research. He was in those, and they just did a worldwide thing on uh, oxygen and uh, when oxygen is produced versus other stuff, and oh. interesting stuff. So, but I mean, he was really into it. Uh, but he he ended up going to, to uh, Ohio State for a while, and he's just kind of like what you're talking about. He get this fellowship to do this and something to do this and Finally, one day he says, "He's getting money and he's teaching and doing some stuff, and research." And he says, "You know, when do I graduate?" They go, "Why do you want to graduate? <laughs> this, is like, this is like a great life. What do you do, What do you mean?" So he's no, I'd like to. So they they gave him his master's. They ended up going to the University of Rhode Island for his PhD. They were they were stunned. He actually wanted to. So you could just you could just kind of keep doing this and never really graduate. Is what you're saying?
6: Yeah, some people like once they finish their undergrad, will just get. Like a research job and do it forever and like never get a master's or PhD. Just they. But just you're like
5: in. You're in. You're making progress. You just never. mean, you're taking classes. You're teaching classes. You're doing research. You're, you're, you're on your way to your PhD. There's just never a day when, you want to leave. You just stay, right? Yeah. <laughs> in Chicago did it. There's guys in the economics department. Go figure. that did that. Mm. They never. They never wanted. To, they just were there. They were like forty. I was. I was twenty two. Just wanting to get out of there. MBA. Yeah. <laughs> And these guys are like, God, a guy's 35. He's still here. What's he doing Yeah, here? that's
6: what – the lab I worked in the summer at Minnesota, this one girl, she's like in her – or girl, woman. She's in her mid-60s, and she had been there since she was like 20. The same lab. Nice. Like, that's crazy. Nice. <laughs>
5: yeah. So, John, is there room for you to go back? What? You going back? <laughs>
7: well, do you – in the programs that you've been associated with, Katie, do you have um, – or, or will you have teaching responsibilities like tuition remission as part of your fellowship or is it purely you know, producing um, data for you know, supervising the grants?
6: Yeah, so right now um, it's mostly just producing data and doing research, but like once I'd be in a PhD program, then they expect you to teach. But um, yeah, until you have that, they just want you to do research. And the summer or the program I did this summer, like, they really emphasized um, presenting your research, so we would do, like I I would present to like every week in these like seminars and stuff that we would have and like present to the lab because they want you to like work on those skills as well because most people in science have no like communication skills and they're just (laughs) used to being behind the like microscope so yeah, they really emphasize the importance of like communicating what you're doing
5: So That's why something that I I
7: think has really transformed the universities too that the competition for these grants, NIH grants, or your know, foundation grants, or whatever, is really intense,
5: mm-hmm.
7: uh, and it can make or or break programs. And it can be sort of like the gift that keeps on giving because you can create kind of a you know a corner of the university that is a recruitment tool that will, will attract people, um, long you know star faculty, and star students, uh, and it can make a huge difference in. The survival rate of these programs and and the universities, you know, get the money. So it's it's become big bucks all the way
5: through, and, and probably in the medical sciences more than any place else. Do they still try and do a endowed professorships? I mean, University of Chicago was huge on that. All the economics people had a had a chair, somebody's chair. Is that still yeah. a big deal?
6: Yeah, yeah, it is. I would say for sure. So mm-hmm.
5: I mean, I guess yeah, we're gonna we have to break here in a minute, but we come back for break. I'm trying. I'm curious to know. The end of the day, the reason why I have a uh, an odd an odd view of the way uh, the patent stuff is now and the way these drug companies lock all this stuff up. And I'm kind of curious. It sure seems like an awful lot of people are doing a lot of research that may someday end up in something that is really valuable. And who gets the dough? I guess is uh, yeah. well, maybe after break we can. I mean, Jan and I have talked about we've we've talked about you for hours before you came on. By the way, Is it I mean, <laughs> all good, Katie? All good, all good. Get <laughs> uh, to hear. Well, I just you know because it, it, it's just I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of good stuff for people, but there's also a lot of money involved.
6: Yeah, there definitely can be for sure. It's I feel like people get kind of lost in the science and forget it's actually. Well, I mean, I just super. I mean, if all of a
5: sudden one day, Jan and I and and, and and Greg, all of a sudden you know we we win the, the you know zillion dollar lottery or something. Or do something else, and we, and we kick a school, five million bucks because we want to mm-hmm. to do research on something. If something comes up to be a cure for you know hangnails or whatever, <laughs> I, I don't want Pfizer getting a 17-year deal for the hangnail cure. Yeah, you know, I was getting nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm generous, but I'm not that generous.
3: Yeah, that's
5: a great (laughs) point. That's a great. John, we're we're generous. We're not that generous, are we? No. (laughs) Just 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 saying. (laughs) S&P futures down 450. (laughs) Nasdaq futures down 92. Be right back. Stacks and jacks.
0: Three four five six, that's seven oh eight three four nine three four five six, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks. jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Right now.
2: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines.
5: Long Road Back, and Jack, sometime out In studio, we have Greg Pappas, we have um, Katie Rather, and we have John Flanagan on the Zoom, and we have uh, Matt Byrne. By the way, Matt, good to have you
3: back. It's good to be back. Um, yeah. Milwaukee was fun. It was very fun, yeah. It's a very, I swear to you, on every corner, there's uh, at least one ancient church. There, there are so many churches there, it's, it's unbelievable.
5: And one ancient saloon, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, was it's, it's, Milwaukee's got to be the... the the city of taverns, if there is such a place. Uh, Churches and taverns, what a what, town! What you know, they go together. I mean, yeah, loud. definitely. <laughs> not a not a bad thing. Uh, um, so, Jan, what do you make of this uh, OPEC move? Why? Well,
7: I don't think it could have come at a worse time for the U.S. But with our you know, strategic petroleum reserves so tenuous, so I don't know. Well, we so, got, got a lot more rigs. Drive up the cost yeah. so we replenish it. So
5: we got a lot more uh, rigs going than we did a few years ago. So I mean, we got. A little more able to absorb it, I think. Uh, but what do you make of this McDonald's thing? Would it tell everybody to stay home so they can fire them?
7: Uh, to me, Tom, it shows how sweeping these you know proposed changes are going to be. They don't want to have people at their desks getting notices that they've been you know, laid off and to clean out your desk and be gone by 5 p.m. They, I've never heard of such a move. I mean, it shows that this is going to be you know from top to bottom. And they're trying to maybe protect the feelings of people who are, would otherwise be sobbing in each other's arms as they have to leave.
5: Well, you know, but if it, you're one of those it, it persons... in been, some ways the,
7: the cruelty, too.
5: Well, I, don't, I mean, uh, uh, Katie, she's going to become a, a psychologist someday, and is probably halfway there. Uh, it's a hell of a lot easier to fire somebody from home. I mean, if <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of the people who—I mean, it's one of the one of the advantages, I guess, because you're cashed already,
7: physically and emotionally from the place.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, it's—I mean, there are a lot of people at McDonald's. I mean, uh, were really resisted going back to work, and I think well, you know some of it's just you want to stay home, stay home. You know, I've,
7: I've, my my fear is that it, it it predicts the size of what this is going to be, which that that's the disturbing part, I think.
5: Well, there's two economics things here, and then we'll get get back to. Katie Stewart, which is a hell of a lot more interesting. Uh, the, the economic piece is, if, if you're working in a department, and, and, and nobody thinks of it this way, but, but think of it for a second, and I think maybe you'll agree with me. If there's 20 people working in a department, and you bleep can four of them, uh, the other 16, unless you, like, sell off a division, the other 16 are going to have to make up for those four people's work. I mean, I, I really do believe that there, nobody shows up, well, in this day and age, Nobody shows up for eight hours and does nothing. I mean, you do something. Why, well, Even if you just make the coffee, you're doing something. Let's hope. Yeah, right. I mean, you would hope you, you're not just... But I, mean, I, I suppose there are people that you could just totally do without, but I, I don't think there's very many. So what you've essentially done is, is lowered the wage of the other 16 in addition to yeah. and the 4. Yes,
7: yeah,
4: I think when, when Chris, whatever his name is, got hired, I think his salary was like 8 or $9 million bucks a year. I worked it out. The dude's getting paid like thirty six
5: thousand dollars every work day he goes there. It should start at the top if he really wants to. Well, yeah. I mean it's there's kinda There. are uh, I'll just I'll give uh, you two you two younger people. Back when I when I worked for Pullman, John you remember this, they had all your computer stuff, I mean nobody had a computer on their desk. You just had, you had a regular phone line, that was it, and you had you had, you know, papers that you worked with. Well as the, as the place got into their computers, your computer centers were all down in Texas because they were you know, they were places where they were air-conditioned, and they were, you know, so what you would have is a big printer, and you got the, remember that computer, you probably don't remember, big long IBM things with the stripes and, the, and all the holes in the side, right? Which probably yep. you've seen in a, you know, in a museum Those somewhere. Those are dot matrix, right? Uh, wow. I don't know what they were, just big, huge people. But the, the printing, you could barely read, you know, it was, was hard right. on the eye. Well, whatever desk you were, whatever you did, if you did like accounts payable or something, or accounts receivable, they would drop this big runoff at your desk and you went through and you edited it all and this guy paid and this guy didn't. And that night, people would keep punch the difference. The next day, you'd get like this run back, right, John? Well, yeah. a couple of guys, one guy died, <laughs> a couple of guys quit, and the guy would literally, he'd come around with a big dolly and drop these things off on your desk. Well, some guy, the thing just started piling up on his desk. <laughs> it got to be like eight feet high. I don't really know what the guy did, <laughs> Just, they just—they just kept dropping the runs off, mm-hmm. and we never missed him. I don't know even know what he did. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, now, I mean, there's going to be some of these people. What are they going to do? Just pack up their boxes and send it home to them again, or what? Nine
4: million dollars a year to tell people to stay yeah. home, yeah. Yeah. and then you fire them. Then you fire. Yeah, them. Give me a. Eh, yeah. that rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. It's a lot harder. they Just
7: they'll—they'll they'll enlist a bunch of workers who are keeping their jobs to do the packing up too.
4: They'll, well, they'll be burned as well. In protest, I'm not getting coffee this week.
5: Yeah. Forget that. <laughs> Forget <Okay. Bush laughs> Yeah, but it's... Yeah, but it's all the pro- so, uh, so now you're going to go for one year. Now, how'd you pick Vanderbilt?
6: I really liked their lab and their... They have a big medical center down there, so I really liked the resources they had. I wanted to get into, like, MRI research, too, and not many... Or I mean, many places have them, but, like, to get access to them doing it the amount you want, um, I really liked... Like the facilities they had and the resources, and the lab was just like a good fit for my interests.
5: So I mean, how do you? I just was talking to some people who went a bunch of college tours with their kids. Well, you're obviously not a kid anymore. Yeah. Now, how, how do you figure out from afar whether the labs at Vanderbilt versus Stanford versus Harvard versus University of Chicago or how do you, how do you determine which one's better?
6: Yeah, I think you especially in research like look at how lots of people talk about like are they efficient with um producing research and like publications so how um how frequently they're publishing like the impact of what they're publishing and lots of research they talk about like fit like everyone talks about that like you could be in the coolest place ever but like you have a bad fit for your interests in the lab and like what you're able to do with the project so I just knew I'd have like a big role in the research I'd be doing, and it like relates to like neuropsychology, which is what I'm interested in, and like I'd be able to work with the methods I want. That's another thing people. Did well, anybody for. else
5: in Loyola precede you there, or they tell you about it? Or how do you,
6: no, I, I actually I went to a conference in San Diego. It was like the International Neuropsychological um, Society conference, and that and
5: you get invited to go out there.
6: Um, I didn't get invited, but you have to like apply. So okay. it, it's like a huge conference. So
5: sort of so, so the price is on you.
6: Yeah. So um, and when I went out there, I like presented a poster from what I did at Minnesota. But I went there um, maybe January um, this past January, and I just basically talked to everyone and um, networked and saw like who was looking for where, and just like approached people who I thought their research was interesting, and that's how I started talking to them and yeah this lab at stanford too that was the one i was between at the end which sounds kind of crazy that i would go somewhere else besides stanford but like it the fit is really important especially like the cost of living in california is crazy but um yeah i would say so now do you
5: get to as do you get to hang on if you wanted to could you hang in a dorm could you be an ra or something or what would you you Um, apartment.
6: yeah i'm living in a house i just finalized that actually but yeah I don't know if you could live in the dorms but um yeah because I'm working for like the medical center technically so it's like in their the center for cognitive medicine through their like Vanderbilt medical center so
5: yeah okay so you know you know who your boss is gonna be or your.
6: yeah it's Dr. Warren Taylor he he's a an MD so that's what I liked about it too is there's like a mix of like diverse backgrounds like not everyone in the lab is like doing the same or comes from the same background like there's a lot of there's like computer programmers um nurses people from like researchers from all backgrounds like people who have their phd already so it's just like a cool mix of people which is like really helpful in a lab setting to have a lot of different minds looking at one thing
5: well i mean Jan and i are a little interested I'll, I'll i'll take the lead on this one john and then you can follow up but who keeps track of what money goes for what or, or do they
6: Um, Yeah, it's mostly the – so the head of the lab, it's, like, called the principal investigator, they um, take care of all the grants and stuff like that to keep their lab running. Um, That's why working at, like, a university – a lab through a university um, is often harder because you're so reliant on these grants um, to keep your lab afloat. So, like, at the University of Minnesota, I was talking to this one – doctor she's a md phd and she had a lab she was a principal investigator and she had to like shut down her lab because she couldn't get the grants. so you just have to be producing it puts a lot of pressure on the labs to produce like really impactful research very frequently which is really hard to do consistently so um working with the medical center is more helpful since they you have like more opportunities to like stay afloat more you're not just reliant like living grant to grant
5: well, but I, I guess uh John, help me with this I mean if you and I gave a bunch of money to this place who who decides who gets our dough versus I mean in, internally, what are the politics? I guess is, is that the best way to put it, John versus the the disease you worked on whatever you worked on last summer, how would I know enough or anybody know enough to give somebody money for that particular disease? I mean, I'm trying to figure out who figures out there's like about eight different channels of money coming in. Who figures out where it all goes? I don't expect you to know all this. i you know more yeah. than I do.
6: <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it could either go to the lab or to like the NIH where the grants come from. Like I know at Loyola, there was a huge. They got like three million dollars or something for computer science research. Um, so
4: that goes with like an earmark. When you sign that donation, you're you're they either asked you for it or you're giving it as a part of a program. They're going to name something after you probably.
6: Yeah, like I know. So I worked like at Minnesota. It was called like the Bob. um, I can't remember the last name. A center for ataxia research, but it was based off of um, this family where their kid had spinocerebellar ataxia and passed away. So like the family.
5: Oh, go by that run that disease disease by. Yes, a
6: really long name. (laughs) Um, spinocerebellar ataxia.
5: Mm. Um, so that's kind of an orphan disease kind of a thing. Well. That many people have it.
6: Yeah, it's rare. Um, so that's the that's what I worked on at Minnesota, and so that family donated a lot of money to get this like center and lab built at Minnesota. Um, so I guess that can work that way too. Because yeah, it's such a rare disease. People. All
5: right. So so what happens one day if if young Katie walks in and just pops up with a cure? <laughs> now, <laughs> who owns it?
7: The lab. Well, usually these these grants i think are fairly precise about um how the proprietary benefits are going to be spread out and um you it's almost like becoming a partner in a law firm or something i mean you you will probably work your way through the hierarchy in the donor of, of the grant too as part of their decision making if you have any kind of you know, a special contribution to make, or if you become a you know a luminary in this field, um, and if it's due in part or in whole maybe to your association with this foundation, or you know a, like a focus foundation on a particular disease or a particular therapy, uh, you become pretty much their employee or spokesperson or kind of like a figurehead. Um, but that doesn't mean that you have you know any interest in you know. The, you know the products from your research it just means that you have kind of a conditional employment that gives you you know a pur- purpose to fulfill within this hierarchy and you really are aren't too free to do much else with that kind of skill that you've developed um, unless you resign and you'll know, kind of burn your bridges in a way which nobody wants to do nor, nor should you have to but otherwise you kind of you know, take your I think your marching orders from whoever you know started with the money in the first place and it has been Kind of made you what you are, um, it's, and it's hard to separate from that. Well,
5: that's what I'm trying to get get at in, in an hour, which is kind of hard to do. Yeah. Reason why we're at, we're kind of going down this road, Katie, is that John and I we weren't friends of the man, although I knew him. Uh, Eric Parsegian, the the former coach of Notre Dame, had what was his disease? He had he had his was it two of his kids or four of his grandkids died from some something like you're working. I don't know the name of it, and he's been a mess. Massively raising money for that particular whatever it is, it's in it's in a genetic thing like you were working on. Okay, and uh, I don't and I don't know, you don't know the name of it, do you, Jan? Uh, no, but uh, yeah, it, it I mean, you took a, a personal, you know, very
7: powerful interest in this.
4: Katie, have you heard of the research they're doing at Harvard for bipolar? No, there's I
6: haven't. There's a actually.
4: there's a big uh, I think a few families, um, they earmarked a whole bunch of money. I don't know. I think it was like a hundred million dollars, including like the. The Google guy, and they just created a whole partnership program with MassGen and, and oh. Harvard, and, and they did uh, all directly for bipolar, and supposedly, you know, they they've got the bipolar research going down, um, w- however many tracks for, not cures but treatments, mm-hmm. because we don't know enough. But it was all given with the intention of going straight to bipolar research. Okay. So
5: well that's what we're kind of getting at is yeah. we're all doing this in a different way but there's a general I just croak and I give a hundred million dollars to Minnesota somebody else wants a very a certain disease 80 people working on it like right now today and I'll fund it I mean there's all kinds of that sort of stuff all going together it seems isn't there yeah, yeah but is it obvious when you're there which one you're working at or its just you oh you know you just show up and do stuff
6: Yeah no it's not obvious people I feel like don't like to talk about that in the lab it's kind of a weird I don't know. It's just not talked about as much because you're so focused on like your, like at the time like a super small project or like, because like what I did with spinal cerebellar ataxia, I was like focused on like protein expression specifically. But like, it's such a specific topic within like a huge thing. I feel like lots of people forget how impactful it is what they're doing, and you don't realize the impact of it until you do like a six-year project. Um, And even like that's I think also the problem. Like the research. So I I was talking to you earlier, I was at a conference at Harvard this weekend, and they were saying that, like, a common frustration people in research have is that, like, yeah, you find really important findings, but it's going to be so long until that actually translates into treatment that can get in like a clinical setting and it's like i worked on a mouse model so it's going to take forever for that to translate into a human
5: okay model by the so. way era was a neiman pick disease kevin says Have oh i don't even that? know what yeah no it's another one so okay what did you uh, what did you guys find you found uh, when you made the presentation at stanford it was you were telling me you your unfortunately your grandfather's wake uh, what uh, your grandmother's awake? sorry and the um what what, what you found it was a, a problem in the dna strand or something
6: yeah so basically spinocerebellar ataxia is a um, it's a hereditary disease, so it's like dominant so if your parents have it, you have a fifty percent chance of having it It's like Huntington's it's caused by the same things um, even though it's rare it's important to study because
4: both have to have it or
6: no even if if one if one has if it, you it your si- oh. like offspring have of a fifty percent chance oh, uh, But
5: not does the parent have it does he always have the disease too, or no if uh, he's got the disease if he's got the gene issue.
6: If he has the gene, you can still pass it on even if you don't have it. Okay. So then you can pass it to your kids. But, um, so you don't
5: always get it if you have the gene?
6: No, but you, if you have a 50% chance of getting it, Ugh. which is really high. That's So high. Yeah, yeah so, um, so basically like a broad overview of the study is that like this diseased protein like entering the nucleus of the cell, which like holds the DNA, is like a really important part in like why the disease is so harmful so like basically our study f- realized that that's a huge part in why the disease pathology happens because we made a mouse model that prevented the protein from going he's, into he's the poor nucleus he's
5: poor mice. i
6: know i feel bad for them they're like so messed up in the lab but i mean for a good cause but um yeah so we restricted the protein from entering the nucleus and then compared it to mice who just have this disease without restricting it from the nucleus and basically we found those mice like lived way longer they had, that's so i specifically looked at protein expression so um without getting too much into detail but like the ion channels are important for like brain activity so by blocking it from the nucleus it like what i looked at was it increased protein expression of these ion channels which Basically, it just increases the neuron activity in the brain, which is what we want. Because without that, they degenerate, and then you have um, poor movement. Like that's what it's mostly characterized by. It's like a movement disorder. So you're really shaky. That's like what ataxia is. It's like shaky behavior. Well, it's almost
5: like well, it's like a Parkinson's almost. Or? Yeah.
6: It, yeah. Exactly. So then, that's what's cool about what we found is that it can be applicable to Huntington's disease. Which, like, which is what. Um another neurodegenerative disease that's um, motor dysfunction. And then all these neurodegenerative diseases, like, it's common to start with motor dysfunction, but then as they progress throughout different brain areas, they just, like, affect your cognition. And then you eventually die by, like, it gets to... You
4: forget how to breathe.
6: Yeah, Yeah. literally. It gets to your brainstem, which controls breathing, and then you can't breathe, so then you die by, like, aspirating. Um, So that's what... um, So what...
5: what, uh, If there is a cure, you got to fix the part of the DNA, right?
6: Well, yeah. So you... That's what we edited. There's, like, on the um, allele of the um, chromosome, you have this sequence called nuclear localization sequence, which is what we edited. So, like, you can... You have these transgenic mouse models, which basically you just alter their genes and, like, edit it. Yeah. Yeah, we used CRISPR. Yeah, we edited exactly how we want it so the... with this nuclear localization sequence to restrict it, but, like, you can't do that in humans for, like, ethical reasons, obviously. You can do it in China. Yeah. (laughs) So, basically, that's what I was getting at. It's, like, we found, like, a huge mechanism for the disease, which is, like, where you have to start. Like, you can't find a treatment, obviously, without finding out the underlying cause. So that would be, like, the next step is to figure out, like, okay, how is there, like, a drug that can, like, maybe latch onto this protein and, like, restrict it from entering the nucleus um,
5: is that is that been possible? Other drugs have done that? Other,
6: um, I think in other diseases. I, I just heard something about there was like a robot model almost that can like go in a cell and like attach to things that they're targeting. Um, so, yeah, it would be something like that. In but
4: cancer treatments, they'll they'll have something mark it, uh, yeah. mark a cell, and then that'll tag it for the immune system. So the immune system then recognizes it.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be long term what it is. But yeah, this disease has no cure. So to find like Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So to find what's causing it was like a huge first step basically.
5: So now that that the, the research is ongoing to see what you can do with it, but right now the, the solution to what you guys found is that over with now or not.
6: Yeah, so the study I worked on just got published. And it was a project that took like six years. It was a huge study. Um, yeah, so that was like pretty big for the field of like. So I'm gonna guess.
5: You know, like John was saying, I'm gonna guess somebody whose kid or somebody had the disease zeroed in on some research for this project.
6: Yeah, I think that's where because the center I worked in, it's like that center is from the family that. Um, oh, Bob Allison, a series That's what that's what their name was. Um, yeah they donated the money for that really? center yeah
5: wait jan can you can imagine <laughs> people keep track of all this dull and where it's all going
7: yeah <laughs> is there much discussion in your conversations with people about the protocols for um you know who's the lead author who appears as an yeah. author on in the article
6: yeah that's huge so um they the first author is usually well, not usually always, but it was like a PhD student, so this was like her entire PhD, so um was this study. So then, yeah, there's lots of other authors and it just ranks from how much work you contribute to the paper. So like I was not the first author, but um I was one of the authors, but
5: But you can you were the first presenter. Yeah.
6: Yeah, well yeah, they doing lots of people in the lab present, but um yeah, so I'm like doing research now, actually. I'm writing a first author paper on, like, neuroaesthetics research for something else completely different. So, it right, just... What,
5: what is neuroaesthetics?
6: It's, like, I do that research through Loyola, and, like, it's a lab that's combined with Loyola and Georgetown, actually. So, um...
5: Is it part of your coursework, or you just
6: No, it? I just do it. <laughs> um, Instead so, of going to
5: the bar, you head over there and do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
6: know. Um, it's basically how you, like, value visual information, so it's, like, it has a lot to do with marketing actually and like um design like visual design so i look at the project i'm i just finished actually so i'm writing the paper now to get published on like how people systematically differ and like what visual preferences they have and like we found that females tend to like hate symmetry and males like it when it's like accepted as universal that everyone's supposed to like symmetry but That's fascinating
7: yeah. we're simple
5: people yeah, <laughs> the mails are just simple. yeah, the yeah, males are just yeah the males.
7: Will Will yeah. you be the lead author on that?
5: KDF?
6: Yeah, on that one I will be, which is really Great. cool because yeah, it's so it
5: doesn't really dovetail with your schoolwork at all. It's just so totally separate.
6: Yeah, it is totally separate, but it's super important for like grad school. Like they care more about the research you're doing than your grades, honestly. So, yeah.
5: well, are you locked? You locked into to Vandy after one year, or can you can somebody else snap you up?
6: Yeah, I'm. I'm not locked in. I could go anywhere um yeah I, I know I'm gonna be there for a year at least for sure but we'll see
5: what well, a couple of one of the guys you saw his, show, his two kids went there and he loves he thought it was great
6: yeah I'm excited They get a lot of money yeah they do that's part of part of why I'm going there like I would would not stay at Loyola to do research because they don't have enough funding
5: well how did the University of Chicago sort of drop out of this weren't they big big dogs for a while and now they're not
6: yeah, they were huge in starting the field of neuropsychology. I actually talked to this neuropsychologist about this who like was mentored by the person who like discovered learning disabilities and yeah, they had it front and center They're the best in the world for neuropsychology. They had literally the center of all research and then they they literally stopped that program,
5: which was so why? I, mean,
6: I don't I don't understand why. And they they cut it. So now they're like really not
5: John, you knew something about crazy. this. You, you you, and I were talking about it. What, John, you knew something about that as to why they did that, weren't you? Didn't you? I'm not sure if, the, if there was a, a faculty member who they lost or was lured away and
7: they they just decided not to pursue it anymore, but it was kind of a, it looked like a kind of a cavalier attitude about it, I thought. I can't I remember all the ins and outs to it, but it, it did, did kind of take, take people aback.
6: Yeah. I don't know the details, but I know this guy that I, he did his PhD at use Chicago and like was huge in starting that and he was so disappointed because like they had it all, and they just kind of dropped well, it.
5: The, now the people who do this, like this 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 person you're talking about, at Vandy. Now is he, is he in an endowed professor spot that he that he's sort of independent because the money comes from somewhere else?
6: Yeah, I believe so. I think he's he's a professor in the medical school and he's also like a doctor, like he he's a psychiatrist so he sees patients. Um, but yeah, he's a professor in the med school.
5: Well, John, what you know more about this than I do. When when you talk about the University of Chicago, I mean, they, when I, had, I had George Stigler as a professor, and he was Nobel Prize winner. But that was a the Charles Walgreen. I don't think it's the same Walgreens, but it might be. They endowed that spot, and that's for behavioral econo- economics. And they've been doing that like forever, and they even now have three three uh, Nobel Prize winner prize winners out of that same spot. Wow. And, uh, I mean, is that? Is it, do they have to really pay attention to the the cause the guy originally gave the money for? I mean, you. I mean, if somebody gave endowed five professorships over Chicago to do that, how do they just get rid of the program? I don't. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't no, know. Uh, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, John. Go ahead, John.
7: No, I, I don't. I don't get how they do that too, because the um, the accountability is the
5: foundation, you know, wherever the money flowed from.
4: I think it's the um, professor directs which, which the research.
5: yeah. But I mean, mm-hmm. you would just—if he wanted to do something else, you'd just find somebody else for that spot to do what he was doing because the yeah. money's there. It's- right. That's why I don't right.
6: understand. That's why they got all the like. Chicago has so many professional schools of psych, and they all came up right when you Chicago stopped their program. Like really? that's yeah. So that's why. What is it, Adler or something? So, so
5: they weren't even on the, on the on the list that you were talking to.
6: No, I mean it's obviously a great school. Like they have great hospitals, but it's. Not as known for it. like if I want to stay in Chicago I'd go to Northwestern they have like the best now in Chicago but um, okay yeah
5: S P some futures down seven as if down one twelve uh, obviously the one that's up so much is uh, Chevron Texas goes up six sixty five in the Dow we'll be right back.
0: Stocks,
5: jocks stocks, and jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out
0: of control. Right here, right now. Right
5: here, right now. Right now. Well done, thanks, Tax and Jax. I'm out. We got Matt burn on the board. We have... Katie in here in the studio. We, have, we should have uh, Nancy with us, and we have Jan Flanagan with us. A big group this morning. It's mm-hmm. one of the most enjoyable shows I've had in a while. I mean, I'm learning. I'm learning more. Usually, I'm trying to teach. And today, I'm I'm the student. So that's yeah. The regular good.
3: full house today. It's very yeah. exciting. It's good. Uh, it's <laughs> nice
5: having people in here, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's uh, S and P futures uh, down eight now. We're leaking. you futures down 117. Uh, the Dow, however, is up 94. It's because of uh. Chevron is up six sixty seven. As the oil oil prices are the the news of the day, we'll get to in a second. We're here. We got the DAX down sixteen now, point 0.1%. FTSE up forty two, point six. CAC around down up twenty two. I'm sorry, up twenty two point three percent. Over in Asia, uh, Nikkei up one forty six point five. We've got the Hang Seng up nine. Call that flat. Shanghai up twenty three point seven percent. Is this kind of an odd? This oil thing kind of filters through. It's sort of strange. A ten year up three basis points to three point five two. Bund up one basis point, two point three two. Japan up seven basis points, point three nine. Trying to get to point five zero, which is the the government's top end, at least for now. Uh, oil, as we've been talking about all day, up four sixty three, that's six percent. Eighty thirty is. Uh, uh, OPEC has decided to cut back like a million barrels, a million two a day. I'll get the exact number, uh, but you know, whether they can pull it off or not, you know, who knows. Uh, Brent up four ninety one, eighty four six eighty. People that cheat, you know, they just cheat. What can I tell you? Natural gas down 13 cents, 207. Arbab up a dime, 278. So your gas at the pump. Don't be looking for that to go down anytime soon. Gold up 780, 1994. Silver up four cents, 2420. Copper unchanged, 408. And we've got uh, Bitcoin up 120 uh, to 28,152. Just by way of review on Friday, the Dow was up 415. S&P up 59. Nasdaq up 208. So. We're down this morning, but we're not we're down near as much as we were up uh, on Friday. Now, Remember, we only have a four-day four week this week, a good Friday being a holiday. Uh, exchanges are closed. The U.S. dollar is also down as the pound is pushing towards 109. I'm sorry, the euro is pushing toward 109. And the pound is pushing toward 124. They haven't been there in a while. Now what do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? A lot of stuff on this end on oh, Monday morning.
3: Yeah, a lot for Monday morning. Good morning. And, uh, it is currently 7.36 a.m. on April 3rd, 2023. This morning in Chicago, partly cloudy skies, 44 degrees currently, later on a high of 57. Showers likely on Wednesday. Our current seven-day forecast indicates sunny skies from Thursday on out. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 54 degrees currently, a high of 79 later on. Sunny skies for the fir- current forecast. Uh, sp- Saturday, uh, the men's NCAA tournament final four: UConn beats Miami, seventy-two to fifty-nine. San Diego as well, uh, State wins a close game against Florida Atlantic, seventy-two to seventy-one. I thought they were going to lose that one. Oh yeah! Tonight, the national championship: San Diego State versus UConn. Game starts at eight twenty p.m. live from Houston, Texas. And of course, yesterday in the women's NCAA fi- uh, championship final, LSU beats out Iowa with a final score of uh, 102 to 85. This makes LSU the overall champion in this year's tournament. The NBA Bulls beat Grizzlies 128 to 107, and Suns beat Thunder 128 to 118. So for now, Chief. Back Bulls to you. were
5: down 21, and then they got up 24 in the third quarter. Oh wow! Yeah, really un- unbelievable. Do we have Nancy? We do indeed. Nancy, how are you? See there. I'm here. You are good for you. We we have Jan and we have Katie in, in the studio. So you've got a hi,
9: John. Hi,
5: Katie. <laughs> morning. So what? Uh, I have a, a. You know, we will talk about a bunch of stuff here this morning because Katie is fascinating us with this uh, of the research stuff. And um, if you didn't know it, if you didn't hear, it, she's going off to Vanderbilt after she's graduating this year for a year to do research. They're the winner. Yep. No. Uh, I had
0: not heard.
5: But now you have. You heard it on <laughs> first first heard it on Stacks and Yeah. <laughs> How did, she,
6: how did she decide on Vanderbilt?
5: Katie, how did you decide on Vanderbilt? Um, I,
6: was, I think I was talking about this earlier, but basically just it was the right fit for me where I want to go. It was, I wanted to do MRI research, and I really liked their lab and who runs the lab. He was really, like, communicated that he wanted to help me as much as, like, I would help him. So I really liked his attitude about that, too.
9: When do you start?
6: Um, June 20th that's great yeah I'm excited so right after graduation I'll be moving to Nashville which is exciting wow, yeah. I guess I mean terrible what happened recently which is oh, kind of crazy wow. to hear about all of that as I decided to move there but I'm mm-hmm. sure things will be better kind of, uh, kind of yeah Those are just unfortunate yeah for sure
5: well someday you, you would think you'd, we have to figure out a way to stop it maybe uh, maybe you need a cure out of you to stop all this stuff right?
6: yeah.
5: <laughs> I mean uh, it's right <laughs> I mean you know, it is, I mean, one of the reasons why I, I was so anxious to have Katie on today is in the midst of all this carnage you see, and it's seeming like nobody seems to know where they're going and that COVID's got everybody all messed up, there still are a hell of a lot of people doing a real lot of solid work, and there's a real lot of young people that we should be proud of instead of, you know, if you think of them all like shiftless or something, they're not. <laughs> I mean, some may be. I mean, Kevin talks about that all the time, right, John, that, you know, yeah. the, the, the improvements and the... Kevin is a guest a couple of days a week uh, Katie and he is a uh, I guess professor and dean at uh, Ivy Tech where people are not at the grad level like you are but people are trying to go from a 12 dollar an hour job get skill level to make it to 14 or 15 and then to 20 and work up the chain and their and their idea is you take a couple of certificates move up a little bit maybe you have a family then you take a couple more but you don't have to go for the four years while you have a family at night and never see them it's a Bits and pieces, sort of thing, which is kind of on a different level where you're doing, but it's still the same thing. It's people that are are, are absolutely making a decision to do to do better for them and other people, and uh, you know, and there's a lot of that going on, and but it, it never seems to make the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you don't even know people like you are out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean really, I mean, you don't. Uh, so, but uh, so anyway, that's we have to talk a little bit about mortgages. Uh, Nance, I, I have a question. Well, I'm shifting here, page two, as Paul Harvey would say. Yes, when you get a dip in the in the when we had the money supply increase huge over the last three weeks, there was a dip in mortgage stuff. Now, if somebody is using Audrey or anybody, shameless plug, and you were to find a house and a mortgage, how can you? Is it possible to catch that dip, or it just happens to be the week you you just luck out and that's the week you uh, you you show up and call you? You can't really you can't really you can't really just catch a two week dip, can you?
9: Well, let's say that you had found something and um, you were floating, you could definitely catch the dip, and then even if you were locked, um, we would definitely take that into consideration and see if we couldn't um, renegotiate that. Maybe you wouldn't get the full advantage, but you'd get close. Okay. So it is is possible. They don't like to do it, but this market is so fluctuated and so crazy that... um, you have to do something or you'll lose the customer. I mean, they, you have to have some kind of reasonable accommodation going on or it's not going to work.
5: What, uh, from people that are, are in the industry, and I, I mean, you don't, I don't think you talk in the same terms as me. That's why people would probably rather talk to you. But uh, the idea that we spent a whole year draining money off the balance sheet, when I say we, the Federal Reserve, the US of A, and then in two weeks basically put two thirds of it right back on. Uh, how does an industry that deals in interest rates? How, how do you even deal with something like that? I mean, in terms of which which way we're going, are we, are we going back to three percent? I don't think so. But
9: oh my, no, we're not going. We're not going down, Tom. I don't. I don't believe it at all. I mean, people are telling me they're waiting for the price to go down, and these are people that I did like at you know five percent, and I think those days are over.
5: You know, well, all the, I talk the... about all day long is. The pivot and two drops this year. I mean, I don't know where they're getting it, but that's all they're talking about.
9: Well, they can talk about it all they like, but the reality is it hasn't happened. So when it does, I guess we'll all sit here and with egg on our face. But I don't think so. I really don't. in you can give people hope, and then you can give them false hope.
5: Well, so- the, the hope, the, I guess the hope is we we go into some deep recession so the rates come down. I don't know if that's much of a hope. but just kind of, I guess if you're looking for a house, and you have your job. You don't care as much, right, if you're in a deep well, recession. Well, they're but...
9: hoping that the stock market, if the stock market would just, you know, go through the roof and the bond market would fall, then, you know, they're going to have their wish. But is that really mean you're in stocks, stocks and jocks? Or is that going to happen?
5: I don't see how. We, I think if there's a recession, I think they come down a little bit. But I don't see the one and a half, two 2%, or 0%. I think yeah. uh, hopefully hopefully these guys realize that that was a massive mistake and we never want to do that again, but uh, I'm not so sure that that's the read.
9: I mean, the, the even in, uh, I know when my parents bought their house in 69, I mean, we're talking, God, eons ago, right? Uh, the rate was
5: 5%. I think in, when my parents bought theirs in 58, it was 6.
9: Yeah, so I'm just saying Five this and has a long. Somewhere the, the The sad part is the aberration was the 3%. And the two and a half, right? That was that was the thing that was the the phenomenon, and everybody just took it to be like, "Oh, this is just the way it is," and it's not the way it is.
5: Well, Katie has so, mentioned that she's not taking an economics class, but I'll will <laughs> drop this one on her. Uh, if if you go back centuries, of course, I wasn't there, but allegedly one of the biggest constant numbers, Jan, you can you can throw in a kick through the phone if you want. Uh, one of the constant numbers is what people call the real interest rate, and the real interest rate is something that if you lend somebody money i mean let 's face it when you when you're a factor of production, you need concrete, you need steel, whatever it is you're making if you're if it's a stone house, you need stones right whatever it is there's factors of production, but you also need money to do it and usually, the person who's got the idea person doing the research like katie isn't the person that has the fifty million bucks right that's why somebody gives it to a place so she can do it, right? That's how this all works. Right. Mm-hmm. And there has always been a fee to essentially use somebody else's money. Why why shouldn't you pay him or her? And that number going back centuries has been somewhere between two and a half, two seven five, three percent. You know, it's maybe maybe two and a half, two and seven as is more of the real number. I mean if if you if you lend a guy a hundred stones in the Stone Ages, you want him to bring you back a hundred and three, basically. I mean it goes back that far. So when you start talking about Interest rates, mortgage rates at you know two point nine, which really is saying is the person your money, the money you're uh, you're using, is getting nothing. Now the question is why? How is it that that person, for years, doesn't get paid for you to use their stuff? I mean you, you wouldn't lend somebody you wouldn't rent somebody your car for a month for nothing. Why are you lend them your money for a month for nothing? So. You know, so there's a circ- circuit to this. If, if you're going to pay that person something for their money, which you should, then somebody has to be in the middle. They have to get paid, meaning you or a bank or somebody. And then, by the way, there's the guy on top on the mortgage. So the, whatever the mortgage guy has to pay, it has to be whatever the risk-free rate is plus whatever the cost to get it to him, right? So if, you're, if the mortgage is 2.5, it means the guy in the bottom of the rung is getting Zippo. Now, how does that go for for a long period of time, where you just use people's money for nothing, which we've been doing for about eight years now, and and to back for younger people? Sorry, Katie, think that this is like normal? No, it's not. <laughs> people get to use my money for nothing. Where am I? Where am I wrong, Jan and Nancy? No, nope. well, it, and
7: it, this, the adjustment period to get you know to where we are now, where rates were at zero for what eight years, nine years? Yeah. Um, well, what we've done is made it impossible for the rates ever to get back there you know, maybe for another 10 or 20 years without there being serious you know convulsions which you know I, and the, the real problem for me Tom is that for having rates that low, it didn't get any kind of dividend that we would have expected overall uh, it isn't like you know, we, the, the living standard increase. It isn't like life expectancy increase. N- nothing really went along with that to make it, you know, a, a good thing. Other than rates are low, but but now you can see it's, it's trapped people in the real estate market. And, and Nancy's talked about this a lot. Where you can't go out and get a mortgage in terms of anything like what you have now. So you're going to stay put, and that's that's going to affect your your happiness and your health and everything else. Um, we boxed ourselves in, unfortunately, and I don't think we can expect any way out of this bill in, in my lifetime. So,
9: John, did you feel that there there was any positivity to all this? Because a lot of people got rid of credit card debt and spent money. I mean, it's been a spending
5: frenzy. Yeah, but what? I mean, yeah, it's your credit card number never went down. That interest rate never went down.
9: No, but a lot of people cashed out to, to pay off their credit right. cards. But then I, the, I believe so. that they went and used them again. I'm, not, you know, that that's my own personal belief, but I don't know. But yeah. the price of cars didn't come down. Nothing, nothing.
7: No, and the price of education exploded. You know, I mean, so it isn't as if people had, you know, some people were able to pay off you know, personal debt and get a handle on it, which is good. But overall, I think that the price of things that we expected to have access to, to have a kind of fulfilling life, higher ed or whatever else for our children. Um, that, that just went in the opposite direction. And, and people are, were you know pretty much priced out of that as they, they were priced out of cars now and homes too. And whatever benefits there were for as long as we had rates so low, um, I don't think we can justify it for as long as we had it for what we've got now, which is I think suppressed appetite, suppressed living standards, and suppressed you know, life expectancy too.
9: Well, that's the best I've heard it expressed because I didn't think much came out of it either that was positive.
5: Well, it depends there. on who, who depends on who you are, right?
9: Well, everything's it, relative. I know
5: it did, but it didn't help you. And you and I are pretty good friends. It didn't help Jen. Katie doesn't know yet, but probably didn't help her. Uh, and it sure as hell didn't help me. Yet. Well, she's paying higher education costs. So. Right, but I'm saying yeah. if, if if you were amazon or somebody or microsoft and could borrow at three percent when the inflation rate is five and you could buy assets that are now going up at five and you're only paying two or three wow you're in the saddle or if you happen to be a a governmental entity that's paying zero uh it's a big big boon for you so there's huge winners in this it just doesn't happen to be us yeah
9: well, there's a problem.
5: Well, that's a problem for us, but it's not a... I mean, ask them how, how much they like... When you, when you look at the massive advancement in, uh, say, baseball teams, football teams, basketball teams, what do you think caused it? It caused those people being able to finance that low, or, or not being able to... Or not even caring about financing, right? I mean, they're not, the, the person who is buying, allegedly, the Washington Guardians, the new name, Rumor is that when this guy has to sell because he was such a weirdo on his text, uh, he's gonna be, he might get six billion dollars. Well, so some other multi zillionaire is gonna probably buy it, but he's not at all worried about it. now. If interest rates were seven percent, nobody's gonna do that. Right. How do you, how do you come up with four hundred twenty million dollars a year? None of those teams make that much, but if yeah. interest rates are zero or one percent. You just, you just bank on it. You don't worry about the implied cost. Nobody even knows what that term means anymore. With the implied cost, you don't worry about the implied cost. You just know that 10 years, from now you're going to sell it to some other buffoon for $10 because there's no implied cost. When interest rates were, were 15% long before Katie's time, if somebody were to say, hey, Katie, I'll give you a $1 million 10 years from now, in 1978, you'd almost say keep it because, the, the, you know, the implied, what's the implied price of a $1 million 10 years down the road when your interest rate's 12%? 200 grand, 300. I mean, it's still better to sharp stick in the eye, but it surely wasn't a million, right, John?
7: No. It's always been striking to me that at the height of of interest rates, you know, in the 80s, when mortgage rates, whether it was an institutional lender or a homemade deal with with seller financing, you could get up to 18%. But property kept moving. It wasn't as if the the market froze up, it wasn't as if, you know, people did crashes and burns. Things continued on cars, you know, auto financing. Yeah, but the was prices high, but were way lower. It wasn't lower, prohibitive yeah. to own a car, so we we had all these you know the flags that looked like, oh my god, life must have been horrible, and it was it was more difficult than it had been when you know you could get a mortgage for five percent. My student loan was six percent in the seventies, and I thought that was you know an attractive rate. But you know, it, it, fifteen, eighteen percent was was a lot tougher. But it didn't freeze
5: things up. It didn't. It didn't ruin people. Well, it, it it didn't freeze things up, but it dropped prices dramatically. So if you were a first time buyer, you were you were in like Flint. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather buy a home for a hundred grand at twelve percent than pay three hundred grand at six right. or four. I mean, it's way because it can only go one way. I can always refinance if it right. Right. It goes and, back you know, by, by
7: driving rates down and now waiting for it to recover. We're, we're paying such a high premium for whatever benefits there were. And like Nancy, I think it's they were illusory benefits, I don't think they were the things you can bank on or were long term or, or even that healthy. Um, it certainly wasn't worth it.
9: Well, it's like, point is really strong. I sure mean, it it's a whole different look to he's right. I mean, we were in the 70s when we were in the 80s. I mean people we didn't freeze up he's he's absolutely right and we we are frozen now. People can't move to the right or to the
5: left. It's in the in the 70s and 80s if my mom uh Kathy Kathy's grandmom went down to the bank and the interest rates were were uh she was able to get 13% and her CD correct, and the correct. and the inflation was 11. You always stayed ahead of it. Now when, when Jack keeps talking about the we, he's talking about us, which is which is the nan 5 percent of the we. The other 5% have done exceptionally well in the last eight years, better than they've ever done in any generation ever, in one man's opinion. The distancing between them and us is light years. It's almost as bad as it was in the 20s. Well, I agree, Tom. And, and
9: yeah, I'm, I'm, I, absolutely. This is like a fabulous conversation. Well, I mean, if,
5: if you and you know, hopefully, hope, hopefully, you had the money to start with. But if if uh, Nancy would have plunked a, a million dollars in a bank, and what, what's the best you could get, John, Half a one percent, five five years ago, that million dollars is now worth six and a quarter, maybe. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you probably don't think of it that way, but that be the truth as they say on the south side. Because of
9: what the buying power is on the
5: million dollars. You've been essentially eviscerated. And the person who could borrow your money for zero and bought the Guardians eight years ago for one billion and now is going to sell it for six, he's the winner. And it's not you. Well... Jenny, I hope we didn't. are not giving you a doggy downer stuff. Either. Oh no! How do you wish you took an economics class, or are you glad you didn't?
6: Um, I'm glad <laughs> I'm. She's going. Yeah,
9: she's
5: hanging herself from the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 what no, are you no, doing no. up there? Get away! That's a necktie, not a hanging <laughs> rope.
6: Glad I'm not an econ major, but I think it would be cool to take at least one class. I
5: mean, you, you sort of should just go with yeah, people, you know, talking about stuff and. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Nancy, why didn't you come with us on uh, on Saturday night? You were the interesting group we landed with. I mean. Uh, of course, You'd have been in over over talking with the ladies, but the one guy with the, the Trump for president hat, camouflage hat on, tell me all about how Jimmy Carter was a horrible president. And I go, you know, you gotta you gotta look at your years a little more. I mean, yeah, all that inflation, I said, Well, you know, the inflation kind of started at Bretton Woods in sixty eight, and the guy's looking at me like I had four heads. <laughs> so, you know, the, these are these you know, are these are long term things. I
9: would have had a very hard time with Jimmy Carter because I worked for a guy who we had one, we had borrowed, um, I think we had about $800,000, $900,000 we borrowed at 21%. Yeah. And we paid $121,000 in interest, never touched the principal. And I remember thinking, like, going to my savings accounts to be able to take customers out for lunch and thinking, if Carter, I, I wouldn't vote for this man for
5: anything. Well, what I'm saying I is mean, it just happened, it happened on his watch.
9: Correct. It
5: did. Because, I mean, it started in 68. By the time he got here, it actually, the the worst of the times, which is, of course, erased from our, our memory because that's what the press has done, the worst of the times by far were Reagan's first term. That's when everything hit bottom. But because he won the second term and things turned around, some of it his fault, a lot of it not his fault just because it was turning anyway, he was essentially, you know, he's now a god. But, in fact... If he if he would not have been re-elected a second time, but he came in at a landslide. But if he wasn't, if he would have like died after his first term, which I wouldn't have wanted to see happen, he'd have been he'd have been vilified as much as Carter. And he didn't deserve it either. Right. By the way, Todd, did you see recently the New York Times
7: had this striking article about two weeks ago admitting to the October surprise story in nineteen eighty? When John Connolly and William Casey and a bunch of other people trying to get, you know, the nomination for Reagan and to get him elected, negotiated with foreign powers to influence Iran to keep the hostages until after the election. What? So, yeah, yeah. It's
5: not
7: yeah. like there's no such thing as a new dirty trick. I mean, no, and, and the New York Times article doesn't go so far as to say that all of these schemings actually resulted. And anything happening, but there's two really good books yeah. about it by Barbara Haniger and Gary Sick that prove it happened and and it implicate George H.W. Bush as the bagman.
5: Well, he, so, he's been implicated in a lot of stuff. A lot of people, uh, yeah. he, a lot of people think he was sniffing around with Kennedy getting shot. Yeah, he was. He was in
7: Dallas, although yeah. he wanted to did it. So,
5: so there are the young <laughs> on people. Day, Katie, Katie, close your innocent ears, but when you tell people you. You can't invent a new fetish. They've all been invented before. People are very disappointed. What do you mean I can't? No, there's always, there's been a pervert around just, <laughs> there's been perverts around just the dawn of time. You, you can't become a bigger pervert than another pervert. <laughs> we, they walk among us. They walk, they walk among us. No, I, I, you're right. It's it, the, uh, that's why I, I uh, boy, talk about dropping one on Katie here. I mean, Nancy knows what I'm talking about because I, sometimes I bore her with this when she's over at Audrey's. Is you, if you read the history of railroading, every single dirty trick that, that anybody who's ever pulled in a corporation world was pulled by those people they invented it all they were the original Enron you know they, they were the original Bear Stearns they did all that stuff it's not like people don't think of nasty things and, it, and as time goes by it gets a little more sophisticated right I mean I look at I mean, the, the mortgage and the, I'm sure there's some fraud in the mortgage industry Nance you're a historian on it and John how far back did that go there were probably bad mortgages in the 20s right
7: before that
5: uh... <laughs> before that but it's not like we can on that happy note Katie <laughs> by the way
9: wow you guys are just really, poor, poor
5: Katie poor, Katie.
9: <laughs> Katie you guys come back on a day when we're all upbeat I guess no, it's,
5: <laughs> well, it's, hard, it's hard to walk in and be upbeat when the oil's doing this to all this stuff and it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's the time it's, it's the case of we got a case of the Mondays <laughs> uh, but anyway Katie thank you very much yeah thanks John, for having as, me uh, as usual thanks good Katie stuff. thank Nancy? you pleasure meeting you, you yeah it was Katie. great me talking you. with you by the, oh by the way one thing Nancy out a shameless plug
9: Oh, my name is Nancy Long Graham. I'm with United Mortgage. My number is 708 341 9601. After this show, no one's going to be getting a mortgage, but hey. <laughs> well,
5: I'll tell you what if, if you're looking for a mortgage, you, you would really do yourself proud to use I'm Nancy. Mm-hmm. Because but... I'm telling you, she is the best. Uh,
9: I guess after today,
5: I'm taking the week off. Well, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 maybe you can go down to uh, where's Vanderbilt? In, uh, uh, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. You know,
6: yeah. Get in yeah in come with me to Nashville. Uh, go, down, go down to
5: Nashville for a while. Anyway, thanks, thank everybody. Matt, good job. SP Futures down four, NASA Futures down 91. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks.
1: When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe
2: you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man.